Welcome to Fitzarns Property Exchange, hosted by Pearl Skeltimer, designed to keep you informed and captivated about the South African residential property market. Subscribe to our channel today and enjoy conversations with some of the most influential, innovative and interesting industry experts, stakeholders and scheme executives as they render input in today's property market. Hi, good day. I'm Pearl Skeltema, the CEO of Fazan Estates, and today I have the great privilege to speak to Isak Dupisani, a young and upcoming attorney. Yes, he's got age to his advantage, young age. Not all of us can say that. Isak, welcome. Thank you so much, Bill. I appreciate the opportunity to take part in, in, in this podcast and for the opportunity. I'm looking forward to having a bit of a chat to you. Awesome. Isaac, before we start off with the questions and the real knowledge we want to, want to receive today, um, mm. tell us a bit about yourself. Where did you study? Where are you currently? Okay, yeah, well, thanks. Um, I'm actually from a little rural town called Utrecht in the northern part of KwaZulu-Natal. Um, um, so I'm a shark supporter, basically. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's stop this immediately. <laughs> yes, well, I, I used to support him whilst they were the, called the Banana Boys. Uh, uh, the Tony Watsons of the day and, you know, the Gary Teichmans, those were my, my heroes growing awesome. up. Okay. I'll, for, I'll forgive you for that. Yeah, you know, um, thanks. They were true gentlemen even to this day, you know. Um, but be it as it may, so yeah, um, I, I matriculated or uh, completed my high school um, studies in 1997 in Freya. I, I attended boarding school there for my high school career, if you want to call it that. And in 1998, I came to Pretoria to study the good old LLB. Um, I obtained my bachelor's in law. And then afterwards, I left our shores to go to England for almost four years. And afterwards, I came back. And ever since then, I found myself in uh, the property-related um, legal fraternity, um, amongst others, uh, the sectional title industry. And ever since then, until now, I kept myself busy with that. Um, almost 12 years later, um, I'm where I'm currently now. Um, I've, I've founded a um, our firm called Luke de Pisani with a good friend of mine and, and, and co-director and co-founder Werner Luke. Um, both of us has been in, in, in the uh, have been practicing law for a number of years. But uh, LDP opened up doors in, in April, uh, the first of October, 2018. And yeah, we're going from strength to strength. Thanks, that, thanks, Paul. That's absolutely fantastic, and I really wish you well. Thank you very so, much. Let's dig into what our listeners want to hear. Fantastic. During this difficult period, did you receive instructions to proceed against defaulting owners? Well, it's a, it's a bit of a yes-no. Um, I think we should categorize it and just say at the time when we abruptly had to all stay at home over the, let's call it, alert level five lockdown, as we know, most of the industries came to, the operations came to a standstill, which yeah, includes, true. amongst others, the courts, the sheriffs, the deeds office. Um, so during the lockdown five alert level, we did not receive any instructions to proceed against any owners for the, I suppose, reason that we couldn't, have, you know. Okay. Um, and but there was already owners during this period which was handed over for for defaulting accounts, and those owners we engaged via email, via phone, and try to convince them that to make some form of payment in these challenging times is is better than nothing in an attempt to safeguard their interest in what everybody corporate found application. 
Um, we were they were mixed success uh, where some of the owners were willing to engage and reason and um, sign an acknowledgement of debt, for example. Okay, so or, you did receive cooperation to an extent. To to, to an extent, and I'll be honest. Um, in some instances, I was surprised, and other instances, I was lesser surprised. Um, but um, even in these challenging times, there were a number of owners that came to the table with a proposal, and which they, you know, initiated in, a, in an attempt to prevent this evil circle of, of uh, you know, legal action being instituted. So yes, I was pleasantly surprised, and in, in some of the matters, we came to a resolve. Um, but unfortunately, not on all of those. Um, and then as, as the lockdown regulations uh, eased as we went on, so did the opening of the courts, the sheriffs and the deeds office, but with, with very tedious um, progress. Um, as an example, today we got notification from the Pretoria Attorneys Association that the Magistrate Court here in Pretoria Central is going to be locked for today and for tomorrow, because every time somebody tests positive for COVID, uh, mm. then the whole body needs to be closed, must be sanitized. So you work for a week, you've then got a week off, and then a few days, and and, and, it's, and that's across the bank, you know. Um, yeah. Even with the sheriffs, um, when we thought about addressing a letter of complaint, you know, to the sheriff's board, because unfortunately, in an, in, in an environment like this, it would appear as if people would try and do the very minimum to execute their uh, functions. But to this day, there are still even sheriffs that say that they're not allowed to enter into premises for the attachment of any movable property in the execution of a warrant, which is a, which is a, a total foofy in my view, you know. So yeah. it's unfortunately a bit of a tug of war for, a, for moving forward, getting back. But in essence, I can just say we did not actually receive any instructions. But as we talk now, it's, there's a bit of a bit more normality. Um, but the undertone is more or less still the same where we try and engage members and convince them to, to reason with, with us and with the trustees ultimately for some form of down payment just to mitigate going to court because, you know, a, a 5,000 rand on top of your 15,000 rand, it makes a big difference in order to... to yes, it does. At least it's very refreshing to hear that your firm still engaged with defaulters despite all the limitations you had. Uh, most attorneys, I think, just waited for the courts, um, not engaging with clients as such. So it's really refreshing to hear that you did have some good responses on that. That's no, awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, look, and, and as we, we're, not a, we we're a young and upcoming firm, as you've indicated, and... and and even still, because I suppose to a large extent, your success rate is being measured against the payment of the arrear book. Yes, um, it does. So ultimately, it, 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 there's going to be some form of, uh, I suppose, um, I won't call it unhappiness, but just a, a, a thought. If I keep on presenting accounts for work which has been done, but there's no collection of the money, then that also becomes a bit of a talking point between me and the client, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so our, our, our departure point was to, to, to keep in touch with members, um, whether they shout or put the phone in your ear down. Proper communication is, is vital for over Essential. Um, okay, so I think you've already touched a bit on the next question. I'd like okay. to know what is the current position with regards to the courts and serving okay. judgments, etc. Okay, so 
currently, as I stated, at, well, just quickly back to the level 5, there was a no-no, even with the level 4, but then with the alert fee level, uh, which came, um, I think it was in June, the beginning of June, um, the court, every court, um, every chief magistrate for the magistrate court in the jurisdiction area that is located, um, issued basically a practice directive to say how they're going to deal with matters which have already been enrolled for either for hearing, for a summary judgment, or even for default judgments, because in our division, there was a practice being um, um, enforced where they stated that default judgments will no longer be considered and approved by the clerks of the court. You now need to do that in an open court, either before magistrate or in the magistrate office called the chambers. Okay. Um, so currently, they are still doing that. Um, so as, a, as an example, we would go and file our default judgment and a date will be allocated with a number on the roll. And instead of me going to court then, awaiting my turn, I will then just wait a, a week or two afterwards to, say, to see whether it all went well. Now, the problem with these applications for default judgments, especially with the with default and levies, is that it became a bit of a, a mini trial in order to convince the magistrate that all is in order, uh, in order for the body corporate to obtain mm -hmm. that default judgment. And Various of these magistrates, um, I would, with all due respect, are not always conversant with finer details of the sexual title industry. So they would then not necessarily reject it, but then address a query which needs to be answered by the attorney. So there might be ah, something okay. on the statement that they notice. And if there's not an attorney to there and there address the magistrate, then it's going to come back. And then maybe even only after two months, maybe three months, we will have a chance to or well, for the magistrate to consider it. So it's quite imperative these days to make sure that once you file the default judgment, that all is in order. Otherwise, you're stuck with that situation. Yeah. Um, so it's got a bit of an up and, up and down. Um, I would like to think I, I would. It, it's more productive for me to be at in the office to do the work that's on my table and move on than to go to court for matters of this nature. But if you can't get past the hurdle for a default judgment, it, it's got a ripple effect for the whole process that follows. Of course it is, yeah. Um, okay, so in other words, um, just a quick question in between. Mm. Um, the situation has improved, not where we want to be right mm. now, but at least something is happening. Yes, yes, it's definitely, it has improved, uh, but I don't think we're going to ever get back to the normal that we used to. Um, as indicated, you know, they just send a notification, we close two days here, close three days there, and, and we also do have a few buildings outside of the Pretoria jurisdiction here and there in Van der Bale, Randburg, Johannesburg. Yeah. And unfortunately, those courts are exactly the same. Um, sure. um, and, and even the sheriffs, you know, we've got a situation where the sheriff passed away, which is, which is, which is sad, but an issue in itself because you need to get authority from this, the sheriff's board to approach a different court and have them certify oh, your request. Goodness. And there you go. And in the meanwhile, you try and explain this to a managing agent like yourself or perhaps to a trustee, but at the end of the day, it's the result that matters, you know? Yeah, it's like um, being a naughty boy with full, you know, only excuses coming to the fore and, and instead of things getting done. Um, but that's the practical implications that we stuck with. At least it's not all of them, but it's, it's, it's a large percentage um, of, of the frustration being caused. Um, but I can only see things getting better from, from where it used to be. Um, yeah, that's, what we, that that's yeah. what we all hope for. That's what we all hope for. Definitely, definitely. All right. Isaac, um, 
I have to be very careful when mm. phrasing my next question. Okay. Do you think members abuse the financial distress brought about by COVID-19? So, so I would definitely say that that's, that's a yes with, a, with a, and, and a, in capital and a bit of a no. Um, everybody's jumped, jumped on, onto the bandwagon and um, pleaded that they were unable to make payment as a result of these challenging times. But um, to be fair and to be reasonable, we then um, advised the trustees to test the veracity of these claims and to ask them to make presentation of a letter from an employer confirming that there was a reduction of a salary. Oh, or, that's interesting. Okay. Mm, mm, or even perhaps a an affidavit um, to confirm, you know, that I am employed here and here's my salary receipts. Yes, the one that I got today, the one two months ago, as can be seen, there's a reduction and I confirm that it's due to the COVID. If a, a, an employer wasn't willing to do that because these days it's still a criminal offence to, to lie under oath, you know, and these things kind of tend to come back to bite you in the bum. Yeah, it does. Uh, so, and on various of these requests, we did not receive any replies, which in my mind is then indicative. Uh, okay, of, of, of I see people, where you're going to. Yeah, that the people made the most of it to try and get away with it. And, and so we carried on in the normal course of business with those. But then on those that, that we took into our confidence, or the trustees at least, and they considered that and, 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 and made a reasonable proposal that was on most of them accepted. Um, but, you know, over and above, if I can just elaborate on members making um, the most of the situation, unfortunately, and I don't want to, well, I, I suppose I can be frank, you know, with, with a state institution like the courts, like the deeds office, um, like the master's office, they're very conservative when it comes to these kind of things. And for mm. the personal thing, everybody will pack up tools and go home. Yeah. Um, so, so that has also been a, quite a frustrating situation. Um, but as of late, you know, members have stopped making use of the excuse that the COVID is no longer a reason for them not to be able to pay. Um, it's now more or less just going to the normal pleadings in as far okay. as the inability right. to pay. Isaac, thank you for that. It's really um, insightful to know this. Mm. What I'd also mm. like to know is tenants, can yes. they or may they be evicted during the current level three status that we are on now? Okay, um, so so physically they can't be evicted, but um, a landlord is under the current level three lockdown still able to go to court in order to make application for eviction, obviously subject to compliance to the FI legislation, but the legislation or the, the, the lockdown regulations now dictates that although you can proceed with that, the court will only under exceptional circumstances allow for the execution of the court order. May may I interrupt you? Yeah, sure. This extraordinary circumstances, what yeah. would examples of that be? Um, well, that, that would be where the, the, there would be um, irreparable harm for the landlord in order to take physical possession of the property where something needs to be done, um, albeit of a construction nature or the property might have been sold and there's a commercial risk okay. to it. All right. um, so there can actually be a, a variety of reasons, but more or less it's going to be very difficult still to convince the court because I'm thinking even commercial urgency is something that the court will say you'll be able to, to try and recoup by way of a damages claim. Um, so at this point, I can't actually really think off the cuff of any um, example that would uh, convince the court to provide for that. Um, 
May, may I mention something? Yeah, sure. Say, for example, if a tenant was in arrears already prior to this lockdown situation, yes. would that be considered no, um, extraordinary circumstances? No, no, that would also not be. So oh, that, my gosh. Yeah, so typically that's what I'm thinking. It must be really kind of a drastic situation where if somebody is unable to take occupation of my property or okay. me myself, right. that there would be irreparable harm for me in that sense. Um, so, so we would we would still be able to proceed as normal currently, and then ultimately try and convince the court, you know, to to grant that. But once again, it's so conservative and and twinkle toe around the COVID nineteen pandemic that the court will most probably say no. We're going to suspend the workings of the order, but you can have it at least then to mitigate the landlord's damages. So, if um, I refer to his uncle Cyril, but if the president basically says. <laughs> Um, you're all allowed to be evicted from, let's say, the 1st of August, and we've got the order, and I can send it to the sheriff and have it executed. Um, so it's, once again, a bit of a yes, no, we can go to court and make the application, but in all probability, the execution of the order will be suspended until we are allowed to evict in terms of the regulations. Okay, thank you for that explanation. Okay, what I would like to know lastly is... Um, you obviously work for community schemes. You collect yes. levies on behalf of either sectional title or homeowners associations. Yes. Um, what is your expectation of a reputable managing agent in this process? Okay, well, that's a good question. You know what? Um, uh, over all these years, I've, I've come to learn that the, uh, to, to be knowledgeable about the field in which you practice and comply with your work obligations is imperative. Um, so I would like to think that a portfolio manager would need to have a proper understanding about the workings of the legislation dealing, they dealing, they with, dealing with on a daily basis. Um, let's, let's refer to the Sectional Title Act, albeit as amended, but owners still uh, extend these sections without you know, proper authority and, and those provisions are still applicable. And then the Sectional Title Schemes Management Act that came into operation in October 2016, all the management rules, all the conduct rules um, applicable to the particular building. And then also definitely um, with the Community Schemes Ombud Service Act. Um, and then to a lesser extent, also the Occupational Health and Safety um, Act to, to more or less know, look, we must accept that you, as a portfolio manager, you can't express an opinion because that can yeah. only be done by legal practitioners. But you can then at least with confidence guide the trustees in the right direction and steer them if specialised you know, assistance is needed, then that can be obtained. But the bare basics, you know, I would like to think the same standard I apply to my personnel is the same standards that should be for portfolio managers where they know which provisions deals with specific um, instances. And mm. I always drill it into my personnel and everywhere where I come that the most important part about the collection of a levy is the, uh, the averment being made that it's duly being, being imposed. Now, in order to duly impose the levy, it must be certain procedural requirements complied with. And, and the and most important one, that there must be a resolution signed by the trustees in terms of Section 3.2 of the Act, which then basically says that levies will be implemented for, for this particular financial year. The terms of reference for payment will be um, stipulated and also then the interest rate. Okay, so and that, that information can only be supplied by a managing agent. Well, yes, you see, because as the custodian of these documentation, and one will have to take initiative and, and talk to the trustees 
And unfortunately, till this day, I find um, various trustees being blind towards the importance here of, and say, oh, let's deal with it at the latest stage. I'm not here, I'm not there. And, and, and there's where, in my view, somebody being diligent in, the, in, in doing their work will, will bring across the, the message what the implication can be if they don't do that. Because if the attorney goes to court and there's these shortcomings, the fingers are going to be squarely placed on the trustees for not complying with what they had yes. to do. And then they, on turn, can again turn to the managing agent. So the managing agent, in that instance, has got an important um, role to fulfill and bring across the importance of their duties. Um, so, so being conversant, and obviously also having systems in place, you know, mm, yeah. um, for bookkeeping, for payment of creditors, and all of this and that, you know, these days practicing out of a garage is, is simply not going to be good enough, you know. Well, There's exactly. a romantic idea where everything started, yeah. you know, and but that was way back in the day. Well, Isaac, you certainly put my mind at ease. That means <laughs> both you and our industry, being managing agents. We still have jobs and there's a necessity for us. So thank you so much. Thank you for your time. And I hope our listeners found this as valuable as I did. And good luck with your business. Yeah, no, thanks. I really appreciate the opportunity. Like I say, we're part and parcel of the same cake being eaten every day. And I can only wish wish you and Fitzhane States also all of the best and your future ventures. That is so sweet of you. Thank you. We'll talk again soon. Will do. Keep well. Bye-bye. This was Fitzsound's Property Exchange, hosted by Pearl Skeltimer. Not only do we keep you informed on the very latest in the property industry, we also empower by expanding your knowledge base. Make sure to visit www.fitzsound.co.za to find out more about sectional title scheme management, letting, sales and trustee training. Remember to subscribe to our channel and follow us on all our social platforms.